0: State Senator Chris Kavenga has been a longtime outspoken critic of the ever-expanding role of government and the taxpayer cost of that expansion. Governor Tony Evers' $84.2 billion budget hasn't improved the Senator's mood any on that front. Evers' budget calls for hundreds more state employees' expanded programming and a host of new initiatives. Senator Kavinga joins us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers to break down the budget, where it goes from here, and some very important issues facing the legislature as we move forward. Good afternoon, sir. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me,
0: Matt. Appreciate it. You bet. We're going to get into the budget in just a moment, but I wanted to uh, ask your opinion about a very heated topic uh, that got more heated because of the governor. This week, Governor Tony Evers promised to veto a born-alive abortion bill if the GOP-backed legislation makes it to his desk. So a preemptive strike, if you will. The bill introduced last week hasn't yet been voted on in uh, legislative committees. Still, Evers told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that he would veto the bill, citing existing pre uh, protections and criminal penalties under Wisconsin state law. What did you think about that announcement from the governor, first off?
1: Obviously very disappointed that he would come out that quickly out of the mm-hmm. gate. But I think it just shows that, you know, we were kind of wondering how this whole relationship with Governor Evers was gonna work, but it, it's becoming more and more clear as we move along through the session that that he his intention is to pretty much squash everything good that we wanna do because they're looking again at the at the next election two years from now. Their goal is to probably flip the Senate if they can. And um, it's just, it's a very antagonistic relationship that, that frankly is disappointing. We were hoping that we could work on a few things with them. But um, as you know, with the, the confirmations and the, the um, special session bills being held up, it's just one more thing in the wheel that that's um, just very frustrating and disappointing. That's probably the the bottom line.
0: So much for bipartisanship, eh? I mean yeah. that that's what uh, we heard following the November election, and that's uh, what we keep hearing from the governor that he wants to. Uh, be a uh, you know a a governor who's reaching across the aisles and all of these sorts of things you've not you've not seen that so far
1: uh no no the attempts have been made uh basically um just as a show and but we we see what's going on is I, i think governor evers is kind of having his strings pulled i'll just be honest and there are a lot of other people who are kind of dictating what's going to happen. And, um, you know, in general, he may be a very nice guy. I don't know him personally. I've heard that he's a a nice guy, but he obviously is not calling the shots here, and he's just not the right person for governor.
0: Senator Chris Kappinger joining us in this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. Seems to be the case again with his born-alive abortion bill uh, that he has said he would veto if it lands on his desk. Something interesting that he said that I wanted to bring to your attention, perhaps you've seen it, but... In defending his decision, uh, preemptive decision, to veto any legislation on this topic, he said, I think those protections already exist, he told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. We have all sorts of issues to deal with in the state of Wisconsin, and to pass a bill that is redundant seems to be not a productive use of time. First of all, I want to ask you about that redundancy question, because A, is it redundant? Second of all, Uh, These are the criticisms that Republicans have had of the governor when it came to executive orders that he's signed. I know one in particular talked about the protection of um, the LGBT workforce in Wisconsin. He put together an executive order when law already exists on that. So um, is this selective indignation from the governor on that front?
1: (laughs) I think that's probably a very good way to put it. (laughs) I don't think I can add much to that, just... Um, yeah, it's, uh, I I don't, I I just don't think he has a good grasp on the law. And that, that was evidenced right away when he, um, he, and I don't remember exactly what the situation was, but he, he called on the attorney general to take action and the attorney general kind of, obviously they had not communicated and said, well, we can't do that. Yes. And, uh, you're just seeing this repetitive thing where, again, does he really know Uh, About law and how that functions, and um, boy,
0: yeah, that was. I I, I think the concerning. I think the issue you were talking about was originally when uh, he was asking the attorney general to get the state out of the uh, Obamacare lawsuit, and that's when we had you know. Uh, the issue of the extraordinary session obviously that's playing out in court and it ultimately goes to the Supreme Court that's where it is now and there will be other lawsuits that will end up there too but a final question on the Born Alive bill Um, I mean this really came out of some deep concern from uh, the pro-life community and anybody even those who support abortion about some of the bills uh, Uh, pro-abortion bills in some of the states in this country and what we saw with the Virginia governor who defended some of these procedures that a lot Mm -hmm. of folks uh, feel is just plain murder, infanticide, um, barbarous sorts of of, uh, procedures. What, What do you think about the movement to settle this language and to uh, I guess, push back against a far left movement on the, uh, the abortion issue?
1: I think it always goes to, let's make sure we're talking about kids. And these are, these are infants, these are babies. You know, After 20 weeks is when the protection will be put into place. But we're talking about uh, a baby who comes out of the womb and can survive that. And we're talking about protecting that life and it was interesting. I had a town hall meeting last night, and there was a, a, a lot of people there. It was like 60 people at the town hall. And um, this issue came up, and, and they were they came for another issue. But it was really interesting to watch the crowd when we started talking about it. And I always make sure I talk about not, not uh, fetal tissue because that's mm-hmm. what the, the far left likes to call a baby. Mm-hmm. I always talk about it as that child has the ability to survive. Why would we not want to protect that life? Under the constitution, just like a child who comes out of the mother's womb at full term, there's no difference. You know, they still can't survive on their own. You don't take a baby out and set it on the table and say, hey, good luck, hope this works well for you. Hmm. There's care, there's parenting, there's no difference. So why would you not want to protect that life? But they, they don't like it when you talk about it as a child.
0: Uh, certainly, and that is the the battle that is being waged uh, across the country, including now in the state of Wisconsin. All right, let's turn our attention to the budget. As I said at the outset of the podcast, uh, this is a massive budget eighty four billion dollars plus. It is, depending on how you measure it, somewhere between six and seven billion dollars more than the last budget under the Republican-controlled legislature and former Governor Scott Walker. The key issue, one of the, the key issues, and the battle line that has been drawn is on the Medicaid front. The governor has said this is it. Uh, this is uh, in the terms of his supporters at the AARP. The hill that uh, he will die on in terms of fighting for things that he wants. He wants expansion of Medicaid. Republicans uh, are, st- uh, it appears to me, still on the same page that this is a bad idea that puts taxpayers on the hook for what uh, is a complete, not a complete funded mandate, uh, that could be a completely unfunded mandate sometime down the road.
1: One of the big things I always make sure I bring up as I have these discussions with people who may not know as much about how Medicaid expansion works. And there's studies out there now that, that looked at the states that went and took the expansion, whether it's Republican or Democrat. And the number one thing that hits home with people when you're talking to them about this issue is, I hope you understand that if we take that Medicaid expansion, it may quote unquote save the state taxpayer dollar but do you realize it's going to shift people off of regular insurance into a Medicaid system? And do you know whose insurance rates are gonna go up to cover that? Because nothing is free. And when they start hearing that, because everybody's struggling with the health insurance rates right now, when you talk about it in that way where you're like, hey, you're going to be paying for that by an increase in your rates. It's been proven in other states that your rates will go up because of it. They always start second guessing them. Oh, I didn't realize that. And again, there is no such thing as free money. We may take $800 million from federal government. It still comes from taxpayers. There's no money tree in Washington. <laughs> they take it from taxpayers. Yeah. And if you look at all of the other costs involved, the states that have taken it are already behind. It's not even just the risk of down the road where, we, where the government uh, in Washington consistently – changes their funding and slowly pulls it down so that states bear the burden it's the all the other costs that are related immediately it is a bad choice for Wisconsin, and we're going to we're going to continue standing firm on no Medicaid expansion.
0: Well, you know this because you are in this field. You understand the human resources questions involved here. It's similar to um, what happens when the federal government, state government, local government puts more regulation, particularly unnecessary, burdensome regulation on businesses. And the defenders of that say, well, you're not paying for that as a consumer, that's on the business, and they can afford it. That is really a dim-witted idea of how economics work, because those businesses can only absorb so many costs, they're going to pass it along to the consumer. The same issue with the the Medicaid question. Am I, am I correct, or is that just yeah, too simple absolute, of an approach no.
1: no, I mean, you just, you look at San Francisco and and different cities who who put all these regulations on their businesses, and we do a little bit of business out there mm-hmm. um, with my company. And and you see the impact of government regulations and the cost of living. And it's 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 so clear that you know the cost of a hamburger at two bucks. If you're going to go, I you don't know if you remember the the whole sick day legislation that yeah. where Mandy uh, Milwaukee came in and said everybody has to pay their employees sick days. Well, do you realize that the cost of that is going to get passed right into the hamburger that's being served? Because mm-hmm. the business owners can't are not gonna absorb that. And that's what the liberals always think. Well, the business owners, they make so much money, they'll just take it in on, out of their pockets. It's like, no, you pass that cost on. That's the cost of goods.
0: That's exactly right. And I think we have a lot of consumers out there that don't understand the Basics 101 of what that means ultimately to their pocketbooks. And I think that's what's lost in the Medicaid expansion argument, the concept that, well, we're just taking free money. (laughs) First and foremost, um, if you look at it uh, on a realistic basis, yeah, it's part of Wisconsin taxpayer money, but it's the rest of the country as well. Why do we want to foist that on Texas or Delaware or California, even as much as California foist right. things on us. But I mean, that's really what it boils down to, isn't it? I mean, it's eventually someone's going to have to pay.
1: Yeah. it's always, and, and we have to remember, too, and I don't know if you remember, we've had a lot of discussions about the balanced budget amendment that mm-hmm. Wisconsin joined 20, 27 other states last session and calling for a balanced budget amendment to the U.S. Constitution because at every dollar, we continue to go into debt at the national level, which, again, this would not be cash in the bank from the federal government. It would be debt right. that we would incur, and that puts us that much closer to the edge and puts our nation at risk. And we have got to keep that in mind as we look at every dollar spent is debt. And, and that is a big concern when you look at all of the outstanding debt that, that our nation has.
0: State Senator Chris and joining us for a few more minutes on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. On that topic, uh, an update if you wouldn't mind. Uh, the, yeah. article, the Article 5 movement, and I know you have been extremely instrumental in that. Where does that stand now, particularly after a semi-political sea change in uh, 2018?
1: so what we need to do is is we need 34 states and we're at about 28 right now that have resolutions so so really the the movement is looking at six more states and interestingly enough uh, governor scott walker um, i have not talked to him personally on this but my understanding is he is now going to be a national advocate for this movement going around the country and targeting six more states that that we think we can pull in to get this uh, amendments Convention together for the first time in, in history of the of our country, um, so uh, it's less promising than than what it was obviously before the last election. But I think we're seeing some positive things at the state level here, obviously with, um, you know, with a with a judicial race that just took place. Um, but I think nationally, I, I think the next election is going to come in strong with President Trump kind of leading the leading the way, and and that should help us get a few more states on board.
0: Sure. Uh, interesting to see how that moves forward. Back to the budget uh, momentarily. Something that I know is near and dear to you as uh, a longtime lawmaker in this state, and that is school choice. And the growth of that program, uh, you and the Republican-controlled legislature over the last several years expanded that program statewide from first Milwaukee to Racine and then uh, across the state. Now you have a governor who has uh, proposed in his budget to freeze, and ultimately um, the way it would work out is to starve parental Mm -hmm. school choice programs in this state. Here's a question I'm interested in, just your perspective on it. Mm -hmm. The governor has a few levers to pull in the budget battle. We know now that Republicans don't care for this $84.2 billion budget and basically going to start from scratch when it gets to the joint finance committee process. But, again, the governor could make a few threats, a few meaningful threats that could... Maybe draw compromise out of recalcitrant Republicans. Uh, one of those is in the area of school choice. Are you concerned that he could use school choice as, if you will, a, a weapon in the budget negotiating battles?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's going to be something that that comes up. And and you know, Governor Evers has always been very clear on you know school choice. His his literal words were, "School choice is morally wrong." Mm. So it's very clear where he stands on the issue. If you look at who helped him get into office, it was the the um, you know the teachers unions who helped him get there. And um, so he's definitely going to make as much of a play as he can. And we have to be very careful as we as we approach this budget to make sure that number one, any wording that we put in there, because he has such a strong veto pen ability in the state of wisconsin we have to be very cautious with our words Mm -hmm. Uh, but but if it gets to the point where where we are making negotiations on a budget that continues to look worse and worse we have to remember that the one the one option that we can go to if we need is if we do not pass a budget the previous budget carries on right We don't have a shutdown like the federal government does. We continue on under the funding of the last budget. So that is a lever that that I hope we don't have to go down. But if if there are too many things like school choice that he goes after and we start seeing issues with leadership in either house starting to cave to that, um, we're watching that very closely.
0: All right. Very good. State Senator Chris Kabmiga joining us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. All right. Finally for you, we've asked you all the tough questions. Mm. Now, how about some easy ones and arguably some stupid ones? (laughs) <laughs> this is a segment we like to call five fast questions we ask these we ask five questions not the necessarily these five questions but five fast questions of all of our newsmakers i want you to keep in mind that they don't require a good deal of thinking in terms of response because we certainly didn't put a good deal of thinking in their creation okay
1: <laughs> okay
0: all right let's uh let's have at it five fast questions question number one. Oh, it's the big draft weekend sir and i i know as All good Packer fans, you're thinking about this. Should the Packers draft a punter in the first round? Yes. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Number two, has Joe Biden ever made you feel uncomfortable?
1: Extremely. (laughs) Okay, you're not alone. You're not alone on that front.
0: Uh, Would you like to see a constitutional convention for sensible shoes? (laughs)
1: Uh, No, I think there are bigger issues we could probably do at a convention.
0: Probably so, but uh, speaking of which, I need some new loafers. (laughs) Number four, is there any evidence to suggest that Attorney General William Barr colluded with multiple Krispy Kreme donuts and Arby's classic beef and cheddar sandwiches to affect the outcome of his waistline?
1: I can neither confirm nor deny any information that I have on that.
0: That's the safe way to approach it. I'd take the fifth myself on that one. And uh, speaking of fifth, number five, speaking of which, are you thinking Arby's?
1: Where's the beef? No. <laughs> it's not we have the beef. The beef. We <laughs> have the beef. That's what it is. I love that
0: place. We don't have any sponsors right now, but if Arby's is listening, we can go cheap for a uh, classic roast beef and cheddar with a little horsey sauce on that thing, right? And And the curly fries. And the curly, don't forget the curly fries. (laughs) Well, other than that little fun segment, uh, I know we did a lot of heavy lifting here. As always, I appreciate your time, and I know your constituents do as well, uh, your perspective on these very big issues of the day that uh, the state is facing.
1: You bet. Thanks for what you do.
0: You bet. We'll talk soon. Again, he is State Senator Chris Kaepmiga joining us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. I'm Matt Kittle reporting.